What's up, friends? Today's guest is a very, very special friend of mine. It's a guy named John Callahan, affectionately known as Cal. When I first got to On It, I was participating uh, in my usual guinea pig fashion and some really cool stuff. And the first time I got to try NAD injection therapy, it was with a who's who of really fucking rad and and awesome people. Uh, as we mentioned on the show, I don't mind name dropping a second time, but there was uh, Tim Ferriss and Lance Armstrong and a bunch of Lance's teammates. And then there was this dude in the corner who I was like, hmm, I don't know who you are. I don't recognize your name. But if you're sitting here with me, there must be something special about you. And uh, as the conversation really got deep into some of the other cool topics as psychedelics and different things like that, things that I'm into, uh, some of the ways that Tim Ferriss has influenced my life through his podcast, Cal had a lot of good questions. And uh, we really gravitated towards one another and ended up becoming very, very close. I mean, I count him as one of my best friends in the world right now today, only a little bit over two years later. And uh, he has a fascinating, fascinating story. Uh, really did a lot for himself on the financial side coming up. And at the same time, as can happen, uh, made some pretty big sacrifices, kind of neglected some of the things that matter most in life. And this podcast, we dive deep into Cal Cal's story. It's just fucking phenomenal. He's uh, he's one of my best friends in the whole world, and I know you guys are going to love this show. He's got his own podcast that he's getting ready to release. He's recorded with some really cool people. Uh, I'll put myself as a really cool person that's on. I've been a guest on his podcast, so make sure you check that one out. It's not out yet. Uh, I'll keep you guys posted. I'll definitely repost on Instagram when he finally gets his uh, podcast up and running. Support the show. Support this show. Support his show. Support my show. Uh, there's a few ways you can do that. Click subscribe. Don't miss an episode. Leave us a five-star rating. I'm still waiting to hear back from the winner. I don't know how we contact him. We tried to get a hold of him through the gram. Uh, we're going to reach out again, but we do have a winner for the little contest we ran for a free 30-minute Zoom call. If we never hear from that guy, I'll select my second favorite review, five-star review that you guys laid out for me. Remember, that's how other people find the show. It's an incredible way to get the word out, get other people. Obviously, I tell you to let your mom listen, let whoever you know that you think will be interested in this show, uh, let them know, send them a link. Outside of that, support our sponsors. We've got some awesome, awesome sponsors as per usual, only a couple today. First, Wave is a company that has the absolute best CBD on the planet. CBD is a product that has a number of things that it does well for the body. We have a very robust system that includes cannabinoid receptors all throughout the body. So when you take exogenous CBD, you are basically flooding the body with something that it needs and desires. And it is a very useful way to tune you in and help you out in life. One of the biggest reasons I take CBD is to help with sleep. It absolutely helps with sleep. It helps with anxiety throughout the day. And I'll have a little bit in the morning, but for sleep purposes at night, it is absolutely incredible. It helps drop me in lower me down and slow everything so that I can get a good night's rest and get the most amount of recovery from my sleep. They have the best product that I've ever tasted or tried. And my favorite is the cinnamon flavor, but they are absolutely fantastic. 100% USDA certified organic farm. They use a 100% CO2 extraction, no nasty pesticides, herbicides, and no other fillers or anything that you're going to get in that product, but 100% 
organic goodness. And it is flavored great. But if you don't like flavoring, that's fine. They got unflavored. They're coming out with drinks now. They have a water soluble. They've got creams and add-ons and all sorts of cool shit. You got to try them out. Go to waayb.com slash Kyle and you'll get 10% off. That's wave.com slash Kyle for 10% off any of their products. Also, Onnit. Guess what? This used to be the Onnit podcast. I still work at Onnit. I'm working in product development on some really cool products coming out right now. But on the topic of sleep, as we just mentioned, CBD being one of my favorites, there's actually three products that I take from Onnit religiously at night. I take our melatonin spray. I take our key minerals because of the magnesium. And I also take New Mood. New Mood started off as a roll-on, roll-off. It was really a product that was used for the after effects of coming off of Molly or Ecstasy. And it works for that. It's got 5-HTP, L-tryptophan, and a number of other things that can help boost serotonin production and neurotransmitters. But what's fantastic about this is it also helps you sleep. And I verified this with the Aura Ring. I verified it with my Whoop Watch. It'll actually increase my REM and my deep sleep. So the quality of my sleep improves when I take New Mood, and that's why it is in my absolute daily. You'll find this out too if you go to kingsboo.com and enter your email where you can get my entire supplement list. Everything I take to jumpstart my brain and get the cognitive function on blast in the morning to my pre-workout to what I take as my sleep cocktail. And I've mentioned uh, a few of those ingredients thus far. So check out this podcast with Cal. I hope you all enjoy it. Hit us up on Instagram. We've linked to his in the show notes as well as mine at Kingsboo everywhere. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. We're clapped in. My boy Cal has finally come on the podcast. Yeah, man. Long time coming, I guess. Yeah. And this has been, uh, today is the two-year two anniversary of when we first met. It's so crazy. I know I, I, uh, someone had mentioned to me a couple of days ago of the, it was the anniversary of the Vegas shooting. And I remember that Two days after that is when I met you, and shit just changed for me. So it's uh, it was it's very uh, apropos that I'm here today. Yeah, we're gonna dive in all that. We met each other. I just want to use this time to name drop as much as I can. <laughs> we met each other uh, doing the NAD treatment, and Lance Armstrong was there. Tim Ferriss was there. A couple of Lance's teammates, our boy College, and there was you. And I didn't I didn't really understand how you fit in. Like I knew, like oh, I'm sitting amongst. Some pretty high-level folks here. Some royalty. Yeah. So then How I, the fuck did this guy <laughs> in there? Yeah. yeah. And so, but that was cool because that drew my attention to you. And you were probably, I mean, you know, initially I was just kind of a fly on the wall. And then as I started talking with Tim and Lance, and, you know, Lance, of course, had never done any plant medicines. We That conversation really opened up, Tim and I. And uh, you had a lot of questions around it. You know, a lot of, a lot of dudes in the room weren't necessarily interested Dude, in that so if you're a fly on the wall what the fuck was i because i was a fly on the fly i mean i was just <laughs> sitting there just like drooling like listening like taking it all in and for me it was like the first time like i knew about kind of all the things that y'all were talking about but like at 10 percent, right i kind of scratched the surface or had some experience with some of these things but truth be told i didn't know shit about it and so when you and tim started to go off i'm like slow that drip down. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, how many days do we get to do this? It was like, <laughs> eight so in a row. Cool. It was eight in a row. It's like, babe, you know, I was talking to Peyton, my wife. I'm like, you just wouldn't believe the room that I'm in right now and all the shit I'm taking in. And so each day I'd go home, I'd Google all the shit you were talking about. I'd start ordering books. I'd listen to podcasts. And it was, it just like blew everything open for me. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was fucking cool for me. I learned so much. That was my first time getting to meet Tim and chat with him. And a lot of the stuff that I got turned on to, you know, as I started listening to more podcasts right when I retired in 2014. 
Mm. And two podcasts released, three released that year on the Tim Ferriss show that I, that like changed my life. One with Peter Atia, mm. one with Dominic D'Agostino. Both, both taught me fasting and the ketogenic diet, which helped me heal my brain. Mm. And another one with Dr. Jim Fadiman, mm. where he you know talks about the psychedelic explorer's guide and microdosing, and that for sure changed my life and helped me heal my brain. Yeah. All three of those from Tim. So it was really it was really fucking special. But let's rewind here. I definitely like getting people's background. Talk about life growing up and the path that led you to really diving deep in, in the Chicago trade game. Yeah, so I, uh, I grew up in a small town in the early 70s, right? So I'm almost, I'm, I'm rolling up to almost 40 years old now, but I grew up in a small town called uh, Winthrop, Maine. Um, about five or 6,000 people. You know, by all accounts, had a really happy childhood, had a bunch of friends on my street. Uh, I grew up playing hockey. That was really my main passion. And then, you know, kind of dicked around with soccer and a few other sports. But but hockey was my thing. Um, my parents, when I was, I want to say I was probably fifth or sixth grade, uh, bought a grocery store. And so as a result, put a lot of time and effort into that. And, um, you know, so... In some regards, I was on my own with my sister a lot of the time, which I think was a uh, was a real benefit to us. I think it really created some resiliency and just having to figure shit out, you know. Um, there was a shadow side to that as well, you know, with the uh, you know that whole bravado of never let him see you sweat because you've got to figure shit out yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, like you know, my parents worked hard and I got to experience that too, you know, for, for my benefit, I got to work at the store a lot and, you know, it wasn't always easy working for my dad, but he was clear about his expectations. And I learned a lot about how to show up and how to be accountable. And, you know, uh, side tangent here, like as a dad now, I find it really hard to, um, share those principles with my kids because I don't feel like I have an outlet for that. You know, mm. it's like my kid's 16. I want to teach him about hard work. I mean, I'm retired right now, right? So I'm not really setting <laughs> yeah. uh, like an example on a day-to-day -day basis. Let me sure you can say, well, if you work really hard, you could be retired. But that, that's, that doesn't work that way. You know, yeah. that actually just puts more pressure on him, I think. Yeah, no question. Yeah, um, like your experience was palpable and tangible because you went through it. You experienced it right? There's no other Just way. talking about it is not the same experience. No. And so he worked, at, you know, at, at, a, at our golf course this summer, you know, cleaning golf carts. It's like, yeah, that was an experience. They kind of dick around a lot. There's not a lot to do, you know? So he spends a lot of time on his phone and he's making not much money, which was good. It's like, okay, buddy, like this is how long you have to work to make a hundred dollars. Like it's a lot of hours, right? And so the benefit of that was, you know, finally teaching him the value of money, right? Which has been hard for us, you know, like we've, we've done well. And so, you know, we like nice things and we like to go on nice vacations and, and do those things. So it's, you know, the downside of that is our kids, unfortunately, don't have a lot of exposure to like what I grew up in, right? Which was mom and dad worked all the time and, you know, we, you know, I had to get loans to go to school and, and stuff like that. Like they won't have those same obstacles, Um so anyway, off on a bit of a tangent there, uh, put my dad hat on, but, but really, um, you know, had a great childhood into, went into college. I ended up playing hockey in college at a small school called Amherst College, and it was a great experience, you know. Um, I always enjoyed 
the team atmosphere. That's really where I thrived. And I, I, I was fortunate enough to fall, really fall into a trading job in Chicago. I had interviewed for probably 10 different investment banking jobs and consulting jobs in New York prior to getting this job. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. Where were you living at that point? I was coming out of college. Okay. So I was in Massachusetts. Um, and they'll come to our school, right, and recruit kids. And I thought it was hot shit because I got 10 interviews, right? And all my hockey buddies like, basically got none, right? <laughs> but Cal got zero second-round interviews. So it was like, I got to <laughs> put it right back in my face. Um, but fortunately, that happened because the guy ended up hiring me and I became partners with in the trading business, came by at the end of the school year. We hit it off. I didn't really know much about trading. I just knew that I loved playing team sports. I love being in the game at the end of, you know, I was a goalie, so I had to be in the game at the, at the end of the game. But, you know, that pressure situation for me really felt good. And so we really connected on that. And I was pretty good at math, you know, not like super genius, but like I could do math quickly. Um, so that helped too. So I got hired and, and spent 18 years in Chicago as a trader and on another team, right? So my yeah. whole life I've been part of this team. Um, and really shaped uh, who I am today and what is important for me. I'm not the lone wolf. You know, even though I want to go play that role sometimes, I understand. And, you know, now in my, my later years, in the last couple of years, it's, it's changed from that team to tribe. You know, I understand what that means, what brotherhood means, you know, and, and sisterhood too, right? But yeah. like, you know, what you and I have shared, what you've really brought into my life, how you changed my life, right? How to show up for other men in a meaningful way, you know, not just a pat on the ass, but like to hold, embrace, to really love another man as a brother without condition, right? And so that's one of the greatest gifts you've given me, right? And I, what I've tried to do is share that with my brothers who I'm already tight with, but we've been able to take it to another level, you know, because I've shown up with this energy of like, this is what it means to really love someone, right? And so not to get too deep down that rabbit hole already, <laughs> but you know, um, coming in here this morning, I was thinking about like all the shit that I've, you know, really learned over the last two years, you know, and, and I just so much of it, I credit to our relationship and our experience and what you've given me, right? And what you've given, you know, my family, my relationship with my wife, my kids, my, like I said, my brothers, like it's, I can't, um, I can't uh, overstate the impact that you've had on my life. And so to be here today with my brother that I truly love, like deeply love, you know, and to, and, you know, I've been listening to obviously your podcast for the past two years. And, and it's just, it's such an honor to be here and so grateful for for all of it, man. Fuck Just yeah. Fucking all of it. I love you, brother. Yeah. And I couldn't be more happy with with where you've gone. And it, this is a conversation that we had before where, you know, it's kind of like you can take a horse to water, but it, whether it drinks or not, it's up to the horse, right? And and I, I use that analogy loosely. It doesn't directly tie, but there's been plenty of people who came to me with the calling to the medicine. They came to me with an intention to try and I want to learn and I want to grow. And they had all the right reasons. And it's not every time that people turn out the way you did. It's not every time that people decide 
oh, wow, he planted this seed in me and I'm going to plant the seed in others. And that's even without the plants, right? Like yeah. to, to teach people how to love better, to teach people how to live better, to teach people how to grow, how to pay attention and watch their thoughts like a hawk and really be mindful of the practices that are uplifting, that leave us more whole. Mm. You're fucking doing all of it. Mm. And it's been so cool. It's so cool to watch. Yeah. And, and you're sharing that medicine, the medicine of love, the medicine of growth with everyone you know who's willing who's willing to drink the water, right? And that to me is the coolest thing because, you know, at that ceremony, we had another guy who didn't take it the same way. You know, he didn't take it the same way and he's he's doing well now. But, um, you know, everybody walks their own path. Everyone receives their lessons at their own time. And our ability to surrender and pay attention and then embody whatever it is the teachings are whether that's in a float tank or in breath work or with psilocybin or any other modality, mm. our ability to actually embody that stuff is what actually makes change happen. It's the resistance to that that will keep us locked into the exact same fucking space over and over again, receiving the same lessons until we break through it. Yeah, and those in 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 and I've in all these experiences, I've 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 met that resistance right at, at multiple times, and those create different experiences, right? And 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 where in the past I would have. Um, maybe judge myself or felt, you know, like I kind of fucked that up because I didn't surrender, right? It's like, no, that that's just where I'm at right now, right? And so that's that's information for me going forward that if you don't want to surrender, that's okay, but here's the outcome. And do you want that outcome? Okay, well, next time let's really work on that intention of surrendering, right? But one of the things I wanted to mention too is is one of the other things I learned from you is you were never, um, the way you shared the information, it was more like, this is kind of what I'm doing. If you have questions, I'll, I'll answer them. But like, not Cal, this is what you need to do. You need to do this. This is how you need to change your life. And so for a guy that, <clears throat> you know, maybe a number of years ago, I was getting into coaching I kind of swung the bat of, I knew what you needed to do better than you did, right? Mm. A, a little bit of that hubris with well-intentioned, you know, I wasn't trying to be a dick, but like, I just felt like I knew more than I did, right? And and so for me, it's shifted as this is what I'm doing, right? I've really tried to take that on and be nuanced about everybody. I need to meet everybody where they're at, right? Yeah. And, and we're all at different places. And so if I can just be an example of, the shit of where I've been. And I've been very honest, you know, again, taking your lead about this is where I was. This is where I was fucking up with my wife and my kids and my friends and whatever. Right. And, and this is how it's started to shift. Right. I'm, I don't think you're ever at the other end of it. I think you're just on this kind of gradient of hopefully you're shifting through growth, evolution, whatever your kind of metric is. But I think it's important to understand that it's always ongoing. Right. And you're, you yeah, are you're get, never, you're never a finished product. You're going to get pulled back and that's okay. Yeah. The fact that you realize that you're getting pulled back into the shit and those thoughts and that story, that narrative, it's good. You didn't, I didn't used to know that. I was just living it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Without that awareness. understanding the consequences. The awareness is the key. You spoke yeah. about something that's very important and that's receptivity. Mm. And receptivity is something that I've worked a lot on with myself because I too have had that this is what you need to do. And this is the, I'll beat the fucking psychedelic drum or beat the ketogenic drum or beat whatever thing that's, that's helping me. And, you know, I've had anybody who's played, played sports throughout their life. It's quite likely you've had more than one coach. 
And hopefully you've had a variety of styles, mm -hmm. right? So I always knew my, my high school coach was a fucking asshole and he was a my way or the highway guy. He would talk shit to me on the field in front of everybody. He'd say, Kingsbury's not going to play D1. No one will listen to him. He's too much of an asshole. And even though he was right in a lot of respects, his approach to it was as an asshole, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I remember the first time I had a player's coach who would really pull me aside and work with me and say, hey, I want you to try this next play. You're doing good, but let's, let's change some things up. You know? And if he took me under his wing, I would do fucking anything for that guy, mm. right? It was like, oh, okay, he believes in me. Mm. And he's not, he's not yelling at me to do it. He's offering me a different way, right? And like that, that polarity in difference in coaching it changed, it changed everything. I used it through fighting. I used it, in, you know, now, even in my approach and communication as a family member, as a dad, as a podcast host, all those things. And I think that's, that's certainly a critical piece, but let's touch on this. I mean, you're, you're very successful in the trade game. You get out and you're passionate about fitness. Mm. So you jump in. Yeah. So I, I, <clears throat> it was interesting. I was just talking to uh, Dan Carcilla, who's just on here with you about you know, him leaving hockey, you know, what that feels like. And for me, I was leading, leaving trading, leaving my team, right? But I was getting into coaching. I like knew what my chapter two was. I was super into fitness. I was spending all my time like training, learning about nutrition, life coaching. Like it was my next thing. So I'm like, oh, I got this. So I got right, like literally I, I stopped work on Friday. The next Monday I was in my office, like grinding through like uh, learning, uh, different modalities and different coaching programs and stuff like that. Well, little did I know that I was completely bypassing this innate need for me to be on a team. Right. And so I'm going down this road. And what I find is that um, you know, I'm starting to coach people and I'm trying to figure out what it looks like for me. Right. And for a while, I thought I was going to open up a facility down in Austin. It seemed like the, the next logical step for me. But as I started to try to get the wheels in motion to do it, I fucking couldn't pull the trigger on like finding a space or whatever. And I started to realize like I spent all this time, these 18 years working, like I don't want to be, you know, beholden to a space where I have to be there and work a bunch of hours. Like my kids are young, like I've got the freedom to spend time with them. And so I, I started to shift back and I had a very good life coach at that point who said, just because you told everybody you're going to do this doesn't mean you have to do it. Like, fuck it. It changed. And so I let go of it. And literally that conversation like made all the difference for me. Like you reserve the right to change your mind, you know? And I think a lot of us don't feel that way, especially if we're, if we're living in a black and white world where I, I really was at that point, it, there wasn't a lot of gray. There wasn't a lot of nuance for me. And so I felt like, oh shit, I'm a fraud. I told everybody I was going to do this. And, and if in order for me to be successful, I need to follow through on this. Like people don't give a fuck what I told them at a cocktail party or whatever. They really <laughs> don't care. Yeah. Right. It's just your own perception. Um, and so anyway, I, 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 I step away from that and I'm kind of coaching people remotely and it's, it's just, it's just, a, it's hard. It's a lot of work. It's still a lot of hours. And in order to, to, to write programs, as you know, for people to get really good at it, you got to write like a thousand training programs and then you can do it right every time I'm grinding over because I want it to be good. I want it to be individualized. And so around this time, 
uh, I had an opportunity to be involved with a new um, pro fitness league that was starting, the National Pro Grid League. And so this was in 2014. Um, this would have been, geez, I guess a year after I, re I retired from trading. And it was like all the things I wanted to do, right? Sports, a team. You know, I've said it before. It's like I felt like I was a poor man's Mark Cuban. You know, it's been a lot less money to get in, in in the door here. But, you know, I got involved with this league. And for, you know, two years, it was an, an incredible experience, not without its bumps and bruises. I mean, we had a lot of hardship. We lost a lot of money. Like, it was tough. And there was some uh, tenuous relations between the league and the teams and it just it didn't flow like we all thought it maybe would we weren't all necessarily going towards the same thing um where i think the league was you know rightfully so they were focused on dollars and cents and we were too but we also needed to care for our athletes and that was the most important thing for us that these kids you know i mean they were you know 21 and up but like they're still kids to us and they're relying on us to take care of them. And so that was something that I, I love, you know, like, you knowing me, like I love to nurture and take care and provide and, and do those things. And so for me, I was like in my element. Right. But, but one of the things I did is this thing was coming to a close. I had a lot of bitterness um, because I was only looking at it through the financial loss lens, mm. you know um, it was, probably the biggest loss I had ever had as an investment, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm looking at the bottom line. I'm like, you're a fucking idiot, dude. Like you didn't do your due diligence. Like you're, you, you know, my best friend who's my attorney is like, dude, you're an idiot for doing this. This is <laughs> not going to fucking work. Like those numbers on the, the deck, they're awesome. They're never going to hit them, you know? And so, it was a great lesson in that, but also like what I finally took away and it took until this past spring. So we're talking three years later, I finally understood this was one of the, the experiences that I've had that was the closest that I felt to being on a team. And I was alive. I fucking loved it. It was, I was a different person. You know, I, I, it, it was like I just lost all sense of time. I was just doing whatever I needed to do. And it was, it, was an, it was a reminder that this is where I need to be. I need to be surrounded by my brothers and sisters. And I need to find a way to do that. Whether it's through coaching, groups, or whatever, I, I don't know exactly what it looks like. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to figure it out. Um, but man, like I would pay twice that to feel that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you, like to feel what I felt like was amazing. Right. And so I'm in a much different place now. I'm, I'm, I'm a much, um, more connected to who I am, um, than I was maybe three years ago and understand how to show up for myself, for my wife, for my kids. Um, but back then, man, I was, I was a broken man and I was looking to blame other people. Right. And there was no blame. You know, my intuition was right. Go do this thing. Fuck, it was awesome. It lost money. Who cares? You had that to lose. It's okay. You had this experience that you cannot duplicate. Be grateful for the experience. And the fuck, what a lesson. 
you know? Yeah, it's a big lesson. It's reminding me of Sebastian Younger's book, Tribe. Oh, yeah, right? thanks and, for reminding me. And, that, and so, much, that to me. so much of this correlates to community. And we've seen like, when someone can appropriately set up a business model that builds community, we see them flourish. Like you look at CrossFit and it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on, like, yeah. oh, it's overtraining or you're training to be the best in fitness or whatever, whatever the fucking knocks are. You build community in that. Mm-hmm. You build community around diet. You know, you think of people that, that do a ketogenic diet and get a lot of results from it. Uh, that builds community. And that's not across the board, obviously. That's why there's, it doesn't work for everyone. That's right. Those kind of things. But, um, you know, I think that's that's really what the key is. And I think now as you're looking forward, you've organized some some awesome men's hangs. We've had some really powerful journeys and work out in Sedona with Aub and the guys. Mm. You know, we've got to meet some fantastic fucking people in doing that. But I think that's the level of camaraderie and team that you want to have at every stage of life. You know, and it's and if we don't have that. That's that's one of the common denominators with loneliness, which is one of the common denominators with depression and and a lot of these mental physical ailments. Right? You look in the blue zones. One of the common denominators is community. Mm-hmm. It's it's multi generational families. It's being in a neighborhood where you can walk everybody everywhere and you know everyone's name. Right? Mm-hmm. And you've known people for thirty plus fucking years. Right? And that's so lost in the West. You know, we have these giant cities and then. People don't like the cities. They move out into the middle of nowhere and they're isolated. And we think social media connects us, but it's not the same. It's really not. No, one of the things I loved about that book, um, and again, thanks for recommending it, was was this um, this notion that the, in the poorer communities, they rely on one another, right? Whether they got to go next door to get something that they're making for dinner, they don't have everything at their disposal where, you know, as you become more affluent, you have all the things you need, you become more isolated, right? You can take care of yourself. And, and, and I, I totally recognize that, you know, I know that when the, you know, the experience of growing up in a small town, like we all knew each other, everybody was aunt and uncle, we were a big community. Nobody had much, maybe one of my buddies did, but that was it. You know, he didn't live on our street either. (laughs) He moved off, you know, but it's like that, that's kind of what happens, right? He's actually a great example. Like his dad did well enough where he moved off our street and moved onto the lake and had this awesome house. And we love visiting him. He didn't live that far away. I mean, he had the best slumber parties, but, but it was still, he was missing that community. Right. And so as you, I think, unfortunately our society set up for, as you become more affluent, you become more isolated, you know? And so that's why I think these these gatherings, as you said, in Sedona, like so powerful, those experiences. And, you know, one of the things that I want to do, um, obviously I'm launching a podcast soon, but, you know, uh, I've had this idea. I want to, I want to not necessarily recreate that experience, but I want to create an experience, a retreat for men. And right now it's just for men. I think eventually to be co-ed and I'll do something with my wife, Peyton, as she's working with women but but really bring men to a space you know for a couple of days where we would do a di- deep dive on this stuff where a lot of it has to just, just being present whether it's breath work right getting in the cold water learning about um you know the the earth's magnetism and electromagnetic waves and, and it's like just kind of giving everyone some touches on these things and experience and have a guy like you come down right and talk about the things that you're doing 
right? And, and Matt, you know, I've talked to Matt, our buddy Matt Fisher about it, and Matt's going to help me do it. And I think it's just to show men, like, look, you can have a tribe of brothers. We're going to have one right here. And, I, you know, what I want it to do is I want it to be like the seed for this larger men's group that just continues to grow and grow. And this group of men that, you know, over time, it just, it, it's a place for men to show up for one another, right? There's plenty of other people that are doing this, but fuck, I want to do my own, yeah. right? And and have my own, the things that are important to me and that I think can really benefit men. Um, and so that's in the works right now. And I'm super excited about it because there's so, as you know, there's so much you can do over a couple of days, but it's also like you, you want it to be a little bit of a break. You know, you want, yeah. You need to be in the space. You can't always be doing the shit, right? It's like doing versus being. And I think um, as men, it's hard. People don't want to hear that. It's hard to turn off. But in 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 people were like, fuck that. You're, you know, you're a, a, a white male and you've had success. And it's like, sure, but like there there comes that isolation, right? And there comes this idea that you have to do it all on your own. And that's fucked up. Because it doesn't have to be that way. And that's what I finally understood. You know, it took me a long time. But that whole mentality of me having to do it myself really fucked up my whole life, you know? And it really sent me deep into, like, exercise, right? And so I would get, like, that was my thing. More doing. More doing, <laughs> right? And it was, like, one of the things that was, like, trying to replace or or distract me from the fact that I wasn't surrounded by tribe. I didn't have brothers anymore that were around me. Sure, I I have you know, my, my, my boys from Chicago and stuff like that, but it wasn't the same. And so I threw myself into this, you know, fitness and don't get me wrong. It, anything can be yeah, um, damaging if you go to, you know, if you don't have the right relation with it. Right. Yeah. And for me, fitness got to that point where I would go in, I'd work out and I'd walk around with just a little bit of an edge. And it was cause I was so fucking armored up, you know, and it was like with muscle it's, it was amazing to me that as I started to let go of the muscle, maybe it's a coincidence, maybe it's not, like my shit started to soften all, all over and I started to connect with my wife. I started to realize like, you know, my training was like, go do all these 10 things. That's your workout for the day. So I would do them, right? Mindlessly, just do them, right? Because that's what I was told to do. And as a husband, I was doing all the things that anyone on the outside seeing it would say, oh, fuck, he's a great husband. Look at all the shit he's doing. He's providing, he's got a great house. They do this, they do that. Yeah, family vacations. He takes care of himself. Yeah. Look at him. You look, look like him. a fucking Greek god. Yeah, all that shit. And it's like, the one thing I was missing fucking deeply was this connection with my wife. And I didn't see it because I was so fucked in the head, like trying to do all the things because I thought I needed to do that. That's how I needed to show up. I needed to provide all these material things, right? And I needed to be in great shape. And it just put me down this road where I became more and more armored up and closed off. And again, as I started to unlayer this through various means, right? Breath work, working with Matt Fisher, spending time with you, working with Ryan Frisinger, like all these things allowed me to start to strip away this armor. And it's like, I, I mean, I'm 20 pounds lighter and it's a hundred percent muscle that's gone, you know? Yeah. But I'm in a much better place, you yeah. know? And it's, so it's, for me, it's been, it's been, a, it's really been interesting to watch the body 
transform and watch the mind transform and the heart and everything just start has really opened up. I mean, no more black and white. It's like I'm from nuance. Like, I don't know. You know, and, and, a, and a buddy of mine, uh, Dave Regula, uh, always likes to talk about the European soccer players. It's like when they talk, when they're interviewed, they always say, well, for me, because they don't want to talk for anybody else. And I've noticed that that's how I talk now. You know, and it really, I think, is disarming for people. It's like, oh, okay, so this is just how you feel about you, and you don't really know. It's not definitive. It's You don't need to know. It's like your opinion, or this is how you feel. It's like, fuck, like, that just... That allows everything to to you kind of surrender to all that. It's it's awesome. It's been great for me. Yeah, and if, if it's non-prescriptive in the approach in your communication, then it is received better. Yeah. But you talked. I mean, for people that are just listening to this, you still are a fucking physical specimen. You're not it's not <laughs> like you just turned into a fucking fat slob and and and, and threw it all out the window, right? That's fair. So I mean, I had similarly. This this brings up. Of course, you know the story. But one of my first trips to Sedona, I. I had a very deep download in breath work with Anahata to soften my mm. body and that would soften my heart. And, and so if I'm walking around stiff and sore and really feeling that physical pain each day, and I, look, I still push myself to soreness a couple of times a week, but there's balance now, right? There's much more attention to mobility, yoga, breath work, working out tightness kinks. I get body work once a week, um, and which not a lot of people can do. Like, obviously that's, there's a price point to doing yep. that. Um, but like Kelly Sturette's book, Becoming a Supple Leopard, really showed me the different ways I could unlock parts of my body that were chronically tight, chronically tight from sitting, from working out. And as you open the physical body, there's a direct response to your mental, emotional body, directly, directly tied. And so that softening, you know, that was very hard for me. It was really hard. It took me probably a year and a half to finally get it. Like, retired, of course, you know this too, but when I retired from fighting, I had no, I'd already had been working with the plants, so I had no attachment to being a fighter, to identifying as a fighter, but I still had serious attachment to looking the part. I wanted to be 5% body fat year round. I wanted people to know if shit at the fan, I could fuck you up. Fuck yeah. You know, like, yes. like that was the hardest thing to release. Yeah. And in the softening, that's really what it boiled down to was, okay, maybe I don't need to be 5% body fat anymore. And I can still look good and still be in shape and I can do the things that I'm doing because I enjoy them, right? If I want to run a mile, that's fine. There's no judgment. If I want to run five miles, that's cool. But as long as the intention is just to push myself a little bit and not because I need to fucking burn out a flame that's burning inside and I'm not witnessing, right? So I think those check-ins and the practices that we have from breath work to meditation to walking meditation and contemplation to Tai Chi, anything that slows down the busy schedule enough to get clear I can see really easily like, oh, I ran myself through the fucking ground because I'm in fear of what's going to happen next in business or paying bills or whatever the case may be. Wherever the stressor comes, if I'm acting on autopilot, I will resort to the same old shit. And I think that's what's cool about the plants is that the perspective shift to know it's okay. There will be setbacks. There are times when there's regression. But once you're aware of it, that's all that's, that's, all that's needed to keep moving forward. Yeah, it's that awareness. And, and I still, you know, I'd come back. I, I stopped drinking maybe a year and a half ago. And I we had come into, um, you know, we, we go up to this place every summer and, and people hadn't seen me, right? And so I had dropped the weight. I wasn't drinking. And they're just like, basically, who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> what happened to you? And so that was a shot to the ego. Like, oh, I'm not the fit guy around here. And, you know, there's a lot of ex-pro athletes up there. And so 
generally speaking, I was the most fit guy there with the exception of some of the guys who were still playing, right? Um, and so I had to let go of that mantle, right? Yeah. And, uh, and fortunately, I um, had done enough work to understand when those feelings were coming in, when the ego was like, oh, motherfucker, go hit that weight pile again. Get those muscles back. You know, get that. Let's feed that, that, that Yeah, fire. have a drink. Be social. I'm like, no, like, this is your opportunity to let go of that identity. That identity is not serving you anymore. And, and maybe it never really did, but it was something I was holding on to. And as I let go of that, it was like I kind of welcomed, like, I just want more people to recognize that I've lost the weight and... It's almost like just to continue to dull what the response would be like, right? And don't get me wrong, like every now and then I'll see an old picture, you know, when I'm a little jacked up and I'm just like, oh, maybe I should do some fucking curls and some pull-ups today or whatever. <laughs> I like, Fuck, I don't want to do them. And so yeah. I don't, you know? And so, as you know, I do a bunch of stuff on the Peloton now. I fucking love it, you know? And I'll take some heavy balls and I'll move them around, but... I do the shit that I want to do. And I, as you said, like I'm, I'm still in really good shape. And so that's where I want to be. Like I, I it's, it's almost like that, um, being more nuanced about the whole paradigm, right? Like I don't need to try to get that last 98, 99th percentile of whatever fill in the blank is right. I want to be running at about 85, 90 across the board. Right. So yeah. if I'm putting too many eggs in the nutrition basket and I'm getting super dialed, it's like, why am I getting super dialed? Like, is that extra 10 or 15% really going to be the benefit for me? Or is it going to push me into some mindset, some mode where I'm obvious, I'm starting to shut off again? I'm armored up because I need to do this and I can't be distracted by my wife and my kids and the dog and the pig and the, the and, you know, it's like all the things. And so it's like, it's been good for me. To, you know, to live in that space, to live in that, like eking that last 100% out, which you never can, but like really working towards it and having just fuck everything else up, like that one thing. And so to really approach everything, right, with that nuanced approach has been beneficial to me. And, and it's not to say that as you're learning something, right, if you're learning breath work, like spend time with it, do it every day, like focus on it, right? But gain a certain aptitude for it and then let it fall back into the background and then just, you know, kind of let it weave its way into your routine. But you do need to spend time to, to gain some sort of aptitude around it. So it's, it's not to say that everything's just whatever the fuck you want to do. Um, yeah, you can spend some time taking a deeper dive and giving things, especially when it comes to practices that are going to leave you more whole than when you started, mm -hmm. right? And breathwork, it's always going to charge the body. It's mm -hmm. all, it doesn't matter if you're doing Wim Hof or Breath of Fire or even just slow you know, or, or Andrew Weil, you know, uh, Aubrey just podcasted with Dr. Andrew Weil, who oh. is a legend, you know, one of the first medical doctors who to talk about plant medicines in a, in a respectful way. And, um, you know, he just has a very simple 478 breathwork protocol. It was the very first one I was introduced to right when I started fighting. I listened to one of his books. You inhale for four count, hold for a seven count, exhale for an eight count. And that's the way he learned it in India. It, it fucking works. And it's the it most simple. It all works. It all works, right? You got to remember, it yeah. all fucking works. Yeah. And if that that's that's just it, though. Like, if you spend time with one breathwork practice and it changes and you continue to learn and continue to adopt, that's how you begin to see, like, oh, I need to wake up. I'm going to do some breath of fire. Oh, I just crushed it in the gym, like, yesterday. I fucking, I've been, I haven't worked out in 10 days. We had 
I'm going to talk with you about this, I'm yeah. sure, on, on your podcast. <laughs> a couple of massive medicine journeys in Sedona. Mm. And I was coaching the whole weekend for Fit for Service. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd hiked, but I hadn't worked out. And so I went in and I was thinking, all right, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to do back squats. I'm going to do bench. I'm going to do all the shit that I haven't done. And as I started warming up, I was like, I really don't feel my body can handle this right now. I've been through a lot, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. And so, and I'm still stiff from the flights and all the travel and all the car rides. So I was like, maybe I'll just do some cardio. And I thought of, you know, like the long, slow. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to spend that much time. Mm-hmm. So I did, uh, we got this thing called the, the acid wash that everyone's doing here. And it's a 500 meter sprint on the Concept 2 rower, mm-hmm. 500 meter sprint on the ski erg, 1,000 meter sprint on the Concept 2 bike, which just came out. Okay. And so, I, you know, you're supposed to do it as fast as you can. I took breaks in between each one. But I was still fucking lit. I mean, <laughs> I could barely walk. So I took a lap. I jumped in the sauna with Tosh. And then I went outside and I did some Wim Hof. And I did two rounds of 50 breaths with holds as long as I could. And then I did 100 breaths and held, like on a hot to level. And I was so fucking charged. You know, hands are curled in mm. and just just shaking with all this energy. And it was one of the coolest breathwork sessions I've ever had. But I'll tie that in. Like, those are those are that's the nuance that you can gain with a certain degree of mastery when you pay attention and you realize like, I can feel into this right now. What do I need to do? So my workout changed completely different than what I had on the schedule, okay. right? And then what I did to finish that off was completely restorative. Cause you know, as a dad, you gotta show up when you get home. You can't, yeah. For the first year I was here and on it, I'd limp back home and Tosh would be like, why the fuck did you train two, two times today? You don't have anything coming up. You're not fighting anymore. Why'd you lift hard and do jujitsu and roll the whole 30 minutes, you know? And, yeah. and rightfully so. Like she's been stay-at-home mom with dealing with a ball of light the whole day. Yeah. In bear, you know, obviously it's before he's in school. And and then I show up and I can't play with him because I fucking pushed it too hard. Like mm. that's a piece of shit move, you know? So I mm. think as we become aware, we can prioritize what really It'd be matters. Interesting to uncover. I'm sure you have uncovered uh-huh. why all that was happening. But oh, for I've sure. Been in that same spot. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, it was the PTSD of losing my job and even though there was no indication i was going to lose my job here Mm -hmm. the way that i got here as you know is i was fired in the airport on a phone call from the ceo of my previous employer and they told me they didn't have the funds to give me my my severance Mm -hmm. and now i'm flying to austin for the interview so i use their meditation app for the whole three hours and meditate and i show up in a better place than before i heard the news hit it off with ob the rest is history right but it took me realizing it was surrender. It was, I can't change that. There's not another check coming. Yeah. And I, I'll need a loan to fucking move back into my mom's garage with a U-Haul. Yep. That level of fear. And so I didn't realize it at the time because I was able to shift in the present moment, show up, obviously interview well. Aubrey, Aubrey's one of my best friends in the whole world now. Um, but it took doing that. The issue is that that planted a seed of fear going forward. I had PTSD around it. And so for a year, I was a workaholic. For a year, I was fucking hopped up on a pot of coffee and modafinil every day. Mm-hmm. And I was doing, I was working out plenty. I'd remember to do that, but I wasn't working in. No. You know, and that's that's been a huge lesson from Paul Check. It's one of the reasons I have him on the show more than anyone else is because yeah. I continue to learn from him every time I'm around him. And that's something that he really taught me was that balance of anything that's energy expending, whether it's work, emails, phone calls, podcasts, or working out, it's depleting. And you have to at least match the working in practices like breath work, the cold, the sauna, anything that's going to be restorative and lift mm-hmm. you up. So that's that's been critical. Well, it's a, uh, the 
I didn't, hadn't shared this with you yet, but the, actually we, what we settled on for the, as of now, the name for my podcast is actually working in. No shit. Yeah. And uh, obviously it's a shout out to Paul. Um, I've never studied under Paul, but I've read his stuff and I've obviously been around you for a long time. Um, but I think, and it's going to be, listen, it's going to be more for men. Okay. My podcast. Um, not that women can't gain insight. I mean, I think women could really learn a lot from the mindset of a man, right. Um, through what we'll share on the podcast, but it is just about that. It's about working in, it's like finding that balance. We spend so much of our time expending energy. We don't take time for ourselves. And however, whatever that means for you is it's different for everyone. And I think that's something we talked about earlier. It's like, everybody has to understand that you can learn from what everybody else is doing, but don't feel like you got to copy what they're doing. Find out what works for you. And if it works for you, it fucking works for you. Like we're all N equals one. We're all our individual selves. And so just play with what works and be okay with it. You know? And so anyway, the working in, like we tried a bunch of different things. And it's just like, it, it all comes back to that. You know, it's the, it's a balance between working out and working in. It's about going inside, right? It's really going into who are you? What do you need? You know, not go, not looking for that external validation anymore. It's all about just inward, you know, and then you can bring your best self out. And so that's where we're at right now with it. But, um, but I love that stuff. That that's the stuff that changed my life. You know, I never had that balance. It was always, whether it was with work or training or whatever, it was always about expending or partying, right? It's all yeah. about, I was booze or cannabis or whatever. And, and they can all be used responsibly. I was just in a period where I wasn't using any of it responsibly. And it was really uh, a way for me, right? Before I met you and before, you know, the, the, the experience in Las Vegas, like I, that summer was just all booze, golf, cannabis. And I was around a bunch of guys. So I kind of had my team, but it wasn't the right atmosphere. And it had nothing to do with the individual guys. They're all beautiful men. I love them. They're all my brothers, but the way I was bringing it all together was just a shit show for me. But, but again, like for me, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I need to, I need to experience that side of it, the shit. Now I can be on the other side of it and say, okay, I've been there. I know that doesn't work for me. And I may go back there again, but as long as I have the awareness that I'm back there, I'll come back to, you know, the right side. Yeah. Um, and I think having that awareness in the first place can let you know, like, am I partying consciously? Am I in celebration? Am I celebrating the harvest of life with people I love? Or am I numbing? And am I around a bunch of people who are also numbing, who are in pain, who aren't paying attention to what's going on inside? It's a completely different fucking vibe. It's a completely different vibe to go get shit faced with your homies at a regular ass bar or to be on the playa and say, I'm going to push it a little bit tonight, but everyone around me that's doing it, we're all doing it in love. We're all working on ourselves. We're, we're going to have stuff come up. Burning man is fucking not easy. It mm -hmm. brings, it brings a lot of whatever's going on inside out and, oh, and in the best way possible. Well, fuck. Then I, I guess I got to wait for next year. Cause every part of our experience was fucking amazing and easy and beautiful. And just, that's awesome. So well, just, talk about that though. We, I mean, we've got like, I know we, we got to jump on your podcast here in 15, but talk about your first experience. You went to Burning Man this last year, and that was our first year not going out of the last three. Yeah. Uh, 
it's just very serendipitous the way it worked out too. My wife, uh, Peyton and I were, were playing golf early. It was early, uh, August and, um, it was late. It was the, it was the only time we'd played all summer and it was, we had kind of gotten a late start and it was probably seven, seven thirty, and, and out where we're at, it's, it stays light, late. Um, hit our first drives and we go up and we hear some music playing on the first hole. Right. it's like, I look up, I was like, oh, fuck, I know those motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> like the boys who just came in from LA, they're so fun. We see them. So we, we stop and we go up just to say hello. And we're going to continue our round. One thing leads to another. And my buddy has a camp there and he's been talking to me about Burning Man for a couple of years. And I've always wanted to go on. Like, I think Peyton's about a year away from going, but I'm so in, brother. Like, just, just keep a spot warm for us, right? So she comes over and they start talking and, and she had just donated some money to a friend of hers who was putting together an art car. And so she was feeling a little bit of a different connection to it now. She said, mm. oh, it's not just this party. I'm like, no, it's not just this party. It's like something that, as far as I can tell, is we've never experienced in our lives. One thing leads to another, and she's like, I think I might be into going this year. So I'm looking at the schedule, and like, it fucking totally works for us with the kids. My mom can watch the kids for the four days. One thing leads to another. We accept the invite. And as you know, it's a mad scramble to get all your supplies and your shit ready <laughs> for it, right? So we spend the next couple of weeks doing this. And then we head out there with literally zero expectations. We, we have no idea. We're living in a tent, as you know. It's dusty as fuck. It's the most dust. You can't, um, you, you don't know what dust is until you've been there. Um, and we just went with the flow. And we didn't, you know, uh, my good friend, Mike Regla, you met Mike. Mm -hmm. You know, Mike's been, he's like, don't have a schedule. Get on your bikes and just go and do what you're called to do. And we just follow that advice. And it was fucking magic, man. Like the people we met, the experiences we had. And I think I told you, I probably had 20 to 30 of the best experiences of my life. And they were all with my wife. It's like, fuck, like she wasn't in, you know, she was sprinkled in the top 15 at that point, but she just cleaned it out. It was amazing, you know, and for us to just level up and to get to a place to heal stuff that I didn't and she didn't know needed to be healed. Like it was, I just don't know how it would have happened otherwise, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's such, it was such an amazing experience and we're so excited to go back and, and we'll go in with our head up. Like it's not always going to be like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so that's good to hear that. Um, but I, I just can't say enough about the experience and, and just the time we spent together. We've just never been, we've, and, and it's, and it's carried on since we've been home. It's just been, we just see each other how we want to be seen. And I didn't realize I wanted to be seen a certain way until, until she shared that with me, like how she saw me. And it was like, fuck, I needed to hear that. And she had said it before, you know, like, I, I don't need any of this stuff. I'll live in this tent with you. Like, I don't fucking care about any of it. It's all nice. I'm grateful. But like, I don't care. And I'd been like living this life where I felt like I had to provide all those things, that that's where my worth was. Mm. And she'd said it before, but I, I wasn't listening. I wasn't, I wasn't there. And I heard it and it finally just let all that go. And I just understood how much she loved me. 
It's like, fuck, I don't need to do all that shit. It's just me. I just need to show up. And so anyway, that was, that was the magic for us, you know, and, and, and I got to hear, you know, her, you know, the, the pain she felt, you know, long ago. And I got to tell her like where I was coming from and how I was hurting. And it was just, as you know, when you get into this space, it can be just super healing if you allow it to, if you allow yeah. it to unfold and you, you don't come in with, um, judgment and the ego and you just lay all that aside. And so it was beautiful. Fuck yeah, yeah, brother. So thanks for asking. <laughs> massive, massive. Yeah. Well, I was hoping we get a good cry. In, so. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. Thank you, brother. Um, where can people find you? Talk about the podcast, social media, all that good stuff. Yeah. So that the the podcast right now is going to be called Working In with Cal. Um, that may change. Um, I'm on Instagram as uh, Bunker Cal. And uh, I'm on Facebook, but I'm, to be be honest, I'm phasing that out. I just yeah. I never look at it. It's, same, same. Yeah, I just I know there's a demographic there that may benefit from the retreats and stuff like that. But I just there's something about that connection. I'm just not feeling it. So I'm going to focus on the Instagram. Um, and I am on Twitter, but I'm just kind of a uh, a viewer on Twitter. I yeah. don't post anything. So yeah, same. Fuck, dude. Thank you so much, brother. Oh, thank you, brother. And I'm going to join you here in a minute on yours. Awesome. I love you, Cal. Love you, brother. Thank you guys for listening to the show. Remember, hit us up on Instagram. Let us know what you think. You got more questions. Hopefully we got answers. And go to kingsboo.com. Leave your email address. I will send you my supplement guide as well as a welcome letter letting you know all the upcoming guests and everything that I'm into lately. Books that I'm reading, all the cool shit that I'm trying and experimenting on myself. Uh, I think in that I mentioned there is a, a microdosing protocol from Paul Stamets that I'm going to get started on. Haven't started yet. But I've also been doing some really deep, deep meditations with uh, Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza's uh, guided meditations, including some ketamine nasal spray. So the November newsletter will have the exact details of what that experience is like and how accessible it is to the masses. Wish you all a good day, and I'll see you in a few. Thanks for tuning in.